Hello and welcome to Look for the Helpers, an ICT SOS podcast. My name is Amber Gonzalez, the Education Coordinator for ICT SOS. When our favorite neighbor Fred Rogers was a boy and would see scary things in the news, his mother would say to him, Look for the helpers. You will always see people helping. Today, the helper we are looking to is Lori Chandler from the Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County. We will be discussing child abuse response and prevention during COVID-19. For further information about ICT SOS and how you can help or donate, please visit our website, ictsos.org, and follow us on social media at ICTSOS. You can also find today's show notes, links, and reporting lines on our website, ictsos.org forward slash blog. Hey, Lori, how are you doing right now? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Hanging in there day by day. The weather got cold, which is not good for trying to play outside, but it looks like it's warming up again today, which is awesome. I know. I need some sunshine, I think. Totally need sunshine. How are you surviving the pandemic right now? Are you working from home or are you in the office still? I am working at home and it's been um, new and different. Um, Some great things about it and then some things that are kind of um, making me off a little bit, feeling a little discombobulated. Sure. (laughs) Uh, trying Trying to learn to balance home and work when it's all in the same space. So it's been a little bit challenging, but there's some perks too. So I kind of like, uh, you know, wearing my sweats. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Definitely a perk. Definitely a perk. Shower is optional and that's, that's really nice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what else, what are you doing right now to, are you doing anything fun at home? Are you watching any shows or? Um, I've been watching some TV more than normal, probably, um, but um, I'm not a big TV watcher, so um, that's been part of my challenge, actually, is um, not working because um, I like to work. And now that, it's, now that my entire office is in my living space, um, it's harder to get away from it. So I am trying to learn how to balance that right now, as, right. as many people probably are, just trying to um, find other ways to get away from, from the work corner in my new designated office area. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's a tough thing to do. I'm, I'm working through that same thing. Um, having a four-year-old makes it even more of a challenge because I've got mom duties, making sure I'm paying attention to him and playing. And then, you know, at the end of the night, usually I would come home and be ready to, to kind of relax and re-energize for the next day. Now I'm like, when do I work? I got to squeeze it in. <laughs> During yeah. breakfast and before I go to bed, try not to stay up too late doing work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I never realized that um, that drive to and from work was sort of a um, transition period where you, mm. I would, my mind would actually transition from, okay, I'm leaving home now and I'm going to work. And so my mind would kind of leave home and, and go into work mode and then vice versa when I was coming home. And now I go from, you know, a chair to the couch. <laughs> It's not the same. <laughs> you know, I'm not having that transition time and yeah. that visual change. Um, so it's been interesting. Yeah, what a good point. I haven't thought about that yet. That's definitely a, like a decompressed time for me too. Yeah. Is coming home from work. 
Yep, kind of switch gears. Absolutely. Okay, so let's just dive into this conversation. Um, for the listeners that we have that aren't familiar with where you're located, um, who you are and what you do, can you just briefly describe, we call it the CAC, it's the Child Advocacy Center. Um, can you just kind of, it's tough to briefly describe it, but do you think you could just kind of summarize what is the CAC? What do you guys do? Um, well, I'm Lori Chandler with the Child Advocacy Center, and I'm the education manager. And what we do at the Child Advocacy Center of Cedric County is we bring together, um, we're a nonprofit organization that brings together um, all, all of the important um, critical services under one roof to address child abuse and neglect concerns. Um, we primarily focus on child sexual abuse and severe physical abuse cases, human trafficking, um, runaways, abducted children, um, those type of cases. And so we bring together law enforcement, DCF, um, ICTSOS, uh, medical professionals, the district attorney's office, any, any of the um, people in the community, organizations in the community that um, that are um, there to help protect children and to intervene when abuse or neglect has occurred. Mm-hmm. So we bring them all together under one roof and provide advocacy, um, forensic interviews, therapy, um, ongoing support, um, community education. So we are kind of doing all kinds of things to assure that um, children are receiving trauma-informed services um, when they have experienced a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody is housed under the same roof together. Um, anytime that I can, I'm just bragging about what an amazing facility it is that it's... Um, it's got all the people working together, but then the, the, the part of the building where kids and families come in, it's so inviting. It's so comforting. Um, if you're a kid coming in there, just the moment you come in, you, you feel like you can take a deep breath. You've got somebody who cares for you. The environment itself um, is just really fantastic. Exactly. We've, we've um, worked really hard to try to make it um, very child-friendly and um, very trauma-informed from um, the minute the kids hit the door. We want them to feel comfortable, and we want the families to understand that we are there for them and that we're there to advocate for them and make sure that, that their needs are met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does this look like right now during this pandemic? Um, some of you are staying at home, but I mean, you guys are, you're still busy. You're still serving the community. So what does that look like? Well, right now we have seen, um, our cases have, have stayed fairly, um, leveled, leveled off. I mean, like we have not seen a huge decrease in our cases at this time or a huge increase overall, the department of children and families has seen a, a decrease in, um, cases in the Wichita area. But in the Child Advocacy Center, we have not seen um, that so much. And part of that is because of the nature of the cases that that we work in our building. Um, And we are seeing the kiddos that um, maybe their um, report has to be addressed now. Um, Those kind of cases that can't wait or that can't be um, 
assessed via um, online avenues, um, which is how they're trying to address some of the abuse and neglect concerns at this time. Um, so anything that can't be done remotely is coming to us and um, the more severe cases are coming to us. So we've continued to operate as normal. We do have as many people working um, from home as we possibly can and then trying to rotate people in um, so that they can um, stay safe, obviously, and um, and this is a stressful time for everyone. So a lot of the employee employees have children at home as well now because school is out. And so um, trying to balance, again, the work with home life responsibilities and keeping in mind that the responders are going through this too um, with their own children and their own mm-hmm. husbands and families and layoffs and all of those things are affecting everyone, not just the clients that we serve. And so just trying to balance taking care of ourselves while we try to take care of the community at the same time. Right, right. So, yeah, tough balance. Um, but you guys are, are, I've been looped in on emails and things, and it sounds like you guys, again, you're just, you're doing a beautiful job at trying to find that balance. And I feel yeah. like you jumped on a lot of this very early and you started preparing and and um, trying to figure out what this looks like for you guys. So just just personally, kudos to you guys. I feel like you guys have just done a, a really fantastic job. Well, thank you. We've, we've tried to stay on top of it. Um, we have great leadership. And so um, we've, you know, been very um, lucky to have that and to have great contacts in the medical community that have kept us informed kind of on what's going on and helped us to understand, um, you know, from a layman's terms, I guess, kind of what all this really means. And then, um, and then, you know, we, we, put some things in place immediately to um, assure the safety of everyone involved. So we're asking, you know, um, before families even come to our building, they're being asked about how they're feeling. Are they doing okay? Have they, have they shown any signs of any um, sickness, you know, uh, any fevers, coughing, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to screen those families before they even come in. And then once they get to our building, they're being screened again. Um, being asked those questions and and we're encouraging people that if they are obviously having any signs or symptoms that they that they not come in for the interview that we'll look at alternative ways to um, to get those kiddos assessed um, and we are also providing um, our therapy via telehealth right now mm-hmm. So um, some kiddos are still being seen face-to-face for appointments, but that's very few. Most mm. are um, are doing the telehealth. So that's been exciting for them mm-hmm. to be able to learn how to utilize technology in that way and still, yeah, and still be able to maintain contact with their families and try to keep some um, normalcy, if you will, with um with those kids and their routine and their structure when they see their therapist and and those things are very important during this time so we've tried to consider all of those things as we approach this crazy time yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point that the routine and the structure keeping a little bit of normalcy for kids is so important right now um i wanted to ask you about teachers and parents as they're at home, especially doing things like video calls with students and they're trying to still 
be there for their students um, or their kids. I know there, there may be some teachers who are some of our listeners. What would you say about, um, is there anything that teachers or parents or neighbors in our communities, can we be watching for any signs of child abuse or neglect or what, what would that look like from that perspective? Well, that's a great question. There's, there's um, a lot of different things. We are, you know, this is a scary time because um, we know that um, with this public health crisis, more families are isolated at home and they're facing economic uncertainty and challenges and experiencing increased anxiety. And these things place um, children at greater risk for abuse, obviously. And we know that, um, that, uh, 70, I think it's 76% of the abuse and neglect reports that we receive come from, um, from teachers and no. medical and therapists. Those, those make up um, the vast majority of the reports that we see. And so with them not um, having that um, day-to-day interaction or consistent interaction anyway with um, kiddos, that's, that's concerning. So we are needing everyone to be um, watchful at this time and um, vigilant um, as, as they it do have any sort of interaction with families and, um, and be um, cognizant of all kinds of different things. Um, you know, one thing, just being aware of that fact in and of itself, that this is a stressful time for families and we need to be supporting each other and reaching out to each other. Um, But as far as things that people can um, look for or Mm -hmm. maybe some signs and indications, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the teachers are doing um, some video um, education with their students and um, via the internet. And so um, I think, you know, it's kind of those normal things of, um, you know, are they turning in assignments? Um, have, have they, has their behavior changed? Are their grades slipping? Um, it, it could be just because the parent is trying to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I wouldn't be very good oh, at gosh. that. <laughs> I can't even figure out the current math strategies these days. It got me boggled, but I'm having um, a hard time with my pre-K <laughs> four-year-old to get exactly on school activities exactly but those are things to watch for because it could just be as simple as that but it could also be something else going on that that's um bothering the child and they're unable to focus on their school work mm-hmm. so being being aware of um you know these teachers know their students so just being aware of um you know that's not like um that's not like the student to, to not get their work done or for their grades to be slipping like they are. Um, the student normally does really well on spelling. So what, what's happening here? Um, just kind of things like that or, um, you know, looking at the background behind a child, you know, mm-hmm. is, does the environment look like a safe environment? Um, listening for, do you hear yelling or chaos in the background? Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are some of the things they can be looking for. Obviously, the visual signs of any abuse. Um, if a child has a mark or um, doesn't look like they've been bathed in days, um, things that they can address 
um, either with a parent and say, mm-hmm. hey, how are, you, how are you doing? Just reaching out or making those reports if they have concerns. You know, um, neighbors can be looking for the kind of the same things. Um, if, if we notice kids are unsupervised, um, if they're kind of running around the neighborhood um, all day and night, if they are um, in the yard for hours on end and there doesn't seem to be anyone checking on them, if they're hearing, you know, neighbors yelling at the children um, or saying things that are inappropriate or mm-hmm. talking down to children, um, you know, all of these things are things that um, we could all be watchful of at this time and recognize that um, we are the eyes and ears for these kids more so now than ever because they aren't having contact with a lot of those people that would normally make those reports. Um, even grandparents and relatives aren't getting to see their ch- their grandkids and family members as often. And so, um, you know, those, it's harder for people to, um, to make those reports. So everyone has to be um, watching and, and very vigilant again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this next thing then. If, if someone suspects something is going on with a kid, whether it be a, a teacher with one of their students, I'm sure that they have specific um, mandated reporting guidelines. Um, but then what about like a neighbor or community member? What is the best way to report something that they well, say if they have suspicious? A me- if they have an immediate concern, um, then they need to call 911. Mm-hmm. Um, you always want to do that. If um, if it's, you can do both, actually. You can call 911 and you can call the child abuse reporting hotline. Um, but the child abuse reporting hotline's phone number is 1 800 922 5330. And we, um, always encourage people to to utilize that um, with any concerns they have. You don't have to know that abuse or neglect is occurring. It's important for people to know that it's not their job to prove that something is happening. Mm-hmm. It is their job to report if they suspect something or if something doesn't feel right to them. And then let the um, social workers and investigators um, get out there and determine if there is reason to be concerned or if the family needs additional services or those sure. kind of things. Okay. So um, I will go ahead and put that phone number and the link to that reporting hotline in our show notes. So you'll be able to find those on the um, ictsos.org backslash uh, blog. Um, you'll be able to find that. But let me ask you this next. So let's say someone goes ahead and makes a report. They they see something with maybe a neighbor kiddo or a teacher decides to, to also go that route. Um, what's going to happen next? What happens whenever I call that phone number and I give a report? Um, when a report is made, there's a screening process that the report goes through. Um, the Department of Children and Families will um, go through the report and look at, um, have there been prior concerns? Does the reported information meet the um, guidelines, the statutory requirements for um, a case for to be opened for investigation? Um, then they will look at... Um, all, all, a lot of different systems that they have access to to try to assess the risk 
um, for the child to determine how they should screen that case. When I say screen, I mean um, determine um, if the case is assigned, how it will be listed. In other words, would it be, um, is this an emotional abuse case? Would this be a physical abuse case? Um, th that kind of um, criteria. And then they're looking at how soon do we need to have someone respond to this? Is this something that needs to happen today? Um, in other words, any child maybe who has a visible injury or child under the age of one, um, people with access um, to the perpetrator, the perpetrator maybe lives in the home, or any child sex abuse concerns, those kind of things. Um, they'll look at they need to have somebody respond that same day, or is it something that we can respond to in the next couple of days? Um, maybe it's a parent, the alleged perpetrator is a parent who does not live in the home. Um, that may be something that can be addressed tomorrow or the next day. So they're kind of assessing to see um, what, what with the information that they have, what the best means um, to proceed will be. And then um, the investigation is then assigned out to the appropriate region within the state of Kansas. And then um, the social workers will make contact with the family and um, try to talk to everyone and um, do a safety assessment, make sure everybody's safe. That's the first thing that they're looking for is safety. And then once they have determined um, safety, then the next thing they're looking at is the risk. So they're looking for what are risk factors that may be in place um, to, that we can um, try and mitigate to make sure that the child remains safe. Um, and if we need to place any um, services into the home, um, then the social workers can make referrals to um, various community organizations to um, build up some supports around that family so that we don't have um, ongoing continuous reporting and, um, and children being harmed. Yeah, that's good. That's a lot of steps. <laughs> there's a lot of people. There's a lot of um, screening. There's a lot of a lot of things that happen um, to make sure that that kid is safe and then taken care of from that point out. That's right. Yep. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's very important. I mean, it's obviously a, um, a critical need and uh, a major importance to keep our kiddos safe. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people involved to make sure that that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's really good information. Um, a lot of times we get questions from people who suspect something um, and they're not sure how to report or what's going to happen. Um, so I think it's really good for people to know um, what happens after you make a report. Um, I think there's a lot of myths, misconceptions around that too. Um, I think there's also some uncertainty, kind of the unknown that might keep people from, from reporting. So it's really good for people to see that clear picture of what's going to happen. Um, one of those just myths and misconceptions I think that goes around the community a lot is, you know, if you make a report immediately, somebody's going to just come in and grab the kid and, and, and run, right. That the state is, is out there doing that or DCF is <laughs> out there doing that. And that's just not really the case. It's not what it looks like. 
Um, now, now, the goal is always to make sure that kids are safe, obviously, yes. um, but there are a lot of ways to make sure that a kid is safe. Um, there are a lot of programs and different things that can be done to maintain the child in the home, but just get that family a little extra support mm-hmm. around them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times families just need a little extra, you know, just a little extra support. Um, and, and sometimes just to know that, that there's programs available to them and just have some resources. Um, they may not be aware of some of the resources that are available. So sometimes it's just as simple as, um, you know, visiting with the parent and explaining that these are some places that you can go for help. Yeah, that's really good. That's ultimately the goal is that we would be able to keep keep families together um, and support families, support parents and make sure that they have what they need and they um, really can all just live together happy, healthy lives, right? Exactly. Um, That kind of leads me into my next question. I wanted to ask you about things that we can do as families or as communities. How can we help prevent child abuse and exploitation from happening? Is there a way the community can help or maybe support those families and situations so that we can try to prevent this from happening um, before it ever does? Sure. Well, actually, this is... um, a fun fact that April is Child Abuse um, Prevention Month. Yes, it is. So, yep. And so um, I have spent the last few months um, getting ready for all kinds of fun um, community events and outreach activities um, in preparation. But then we had a COVID. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so um, that kind of derailed our plans and it made us have, have to think about everything through a different lens. And so um, I have been scurrying to try to um, develop ways to prevent child abuse basically virtually at this point. So um, we are really working hard to just get the word out that um, there are services available. There are people still out there working every day to protect children um, and provide services to kiddos. And, um, you know, there's lots of things that the community can do to help us. Um, If they go to our Facebook page, um, Child Child Advocacy Center of Sedgwick County um, Facebook page. They can like and follow us. They can share our posts. We're posting a lot right now about child safety. Um, a lot of things that that families can do at home right now, um, including things such as um, you know online safety education, internet safety stuff. A lot of kids are spending a lot of time in front of the computers right now. Um, And so we need to get the word out about how they can be safe online Mm -hmm. um, to their parents and to the children. Um, We are wanting people to know that this is a shared responsibility that we all have um, in the community to to be observant and and vigilant and um, watch out for each other, take care of our neighbors, Mm -hmm. um, you know, spend time with your kids um, doing fun things, try to think of new things to do. We have a calendar that we've put together, fun activities to do at home with your kids every day. Um, And we're, we're promoting that on social media and through our um, email lists and, and, um, and just trying to encourage people to take time to breathe and to know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. um, that we are all going through this together and we're going to get through this together. And it's, it's new territory for all of us. So, um, but we also are all, we all recognize that it's stressful 
um, you know, and we want parents to know that they're not alone, um, that whether you have kids at home or don't have kids at home, I don't anymore and it's stressful. So um, I can't imagine what it would be like to have little ones running around while I'm trying to get work done and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, worried about what does the future look like for our jobs? What does the future look like for my husband's job? Or, you know, these are, these are stressful um, times and it's, it's hard on everyone. And so we just want parents to know that, that they're not alone. Um, we, you know, we encourage people to reach out um, again, make, make homemade cards with your kids Um you know, leave them on neighbors' doors, just saying, mm-hmm. we're here. Um, if you ever want to talk, here's our phone number. Um, or, you know, come across the street, ring the doorbell. We'll stand in the yard six feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and we can, and we can talk. I'm here to listen. And, and a lot of people, um, you know, really need to know that somebody else is there. And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes just knowing that is, is beneficial. You know, um, we ha- we're promoting some fun activities to do. Like I said, um, you know, get out there and, and write positive messages on your sidewalk with chalk, you know, with your kids and, and um, spread the word, take pictures and post that on social media and spread the word that, you know, we're all trying to do fun things right now with our kids and you can do it too. And, you know, encourage other people to get outside and do those kind of things. And, um, you know, just reach out to your family and your neighbors and your friends and um, stay in contact. It's important not to um, totally isolate ourselves and, and lose contact with people that we are used to seeing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, those, all those little things like that are just really important right now to, to prevent child abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, Again, like I said before, I will post some links to your guys' Facebook pages and any social media you guys have so people can follow you and share that content and go along with those activities, like you said, really getting out in our neighborhoods, obviously, you know, physical distancing, but encouraging our neighbors, watching out for one another. Absolutely. We just got to make sure that we're still here for one another. I... um feel a little resistant to the term social distancing. I think we need to be saying physical distancing um, because right now more than ever, we really need that social aspect. We need to do all the things that you just said. We need to make sure that we really truly are communicating to our loved ones and, and people that, you know, maybe our neighbors or maybe even people that we don't know yet. I've actually met more of my neighbors from afar during this season than I have in the last five years that I've lived in my home because we just are really, really wanting to check in on each other and make sure everybody's okay. So um, absolutely staying social, but practicing physical distancing. Um, and then, you know, watching out for your own kids, making sure that, that they're okay. And, and really, I think having grace on ourselves too. Um, Jennifer White, my my boss, our awesome director, um, she keeps reminding us as we work because she knows we're also the kind of people like you are in the beginning. You said, you know, if I'm sitting at home, I'm going to be working. 
I'm going to be working all day. Yep. <laughs> I kind of forget, oh, I should probably take a break or I should eat some lunch or, you know, she knows that we are those kind of people too. So she keeps telling us like, hey, this is a global pandemic. We just need to do the best we can. You need to have grace on yourself. You need to take care of yourself too. So um, I think sometimes we have to remember that. We got to give ourselves grace. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's just important just to know that, you know, again, you're, we're not alone. I think that's just critical. People know you, it feels very lonely, um, but you're not alone. We're all doing the same thing. We're all feeling the same way. And it is difficult to balance work and kids and home life all at the same time in the same location, which does before this, I would have never understood that, but I sure do now. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <when> you, <laughs> when you mix the, them all together, it can be pretty challenging. And so um, we just want families to know that, that we're here and that we're still providing services and that if they need help, they can contact us. They can contact um, another good avenue is the parent helpline. Um, they're available to answer calls 24 hours a day, seven days a week for those families that are struggling. Um, and they their, their phone number is 1-800-CHILDREN. Um, and so I think that's another good resource. So we're just really trying to keep um, that information out there as much as we can. And um, the best way right now is through social media for us to be able to do that. So we're, um, we're doing as much of that as we possibly can and just encouraging everybody again to stay vigilant and, and just know you're not alone. Absolutely. Well, hey, Lori, thank you for um, chatting with me today. I love talking with you. You always give me hope and encouragement, and you're just a wealth of knowledge. Um, I would love to sit down with you in a future episode, hopefully when we can do that in person, and talk more about protection and prevention of child abuse, as well as some of the conversations you and I have is um, the effects later in life and what happens and how you can um, recover, right, from these kind of things if this is, has happened to you in your past. So maybe you and I could get together and have a, an episode part two after COVID. What do you think? Sounds great. Yep. I'm always, I always like talking about adverse childhood experiences and um, child abuse and any, any and all of the above um, is, is my passion. And so I'm always willing to sit down and talk with you, Amber. It's great. Sounds good. Hey, well, thank you again. And I hope you have a good day and you get to relax and enjoy yourself a little bit. Don't work too hard. I'll try. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> Bye. Bye. In our next episode, we will hear from a forensic nurse on supporting survivors of sexual assault and abuse in the hospital. In the meantime, please follow us on social media to find out how you can help. You can also become a monthly supportive listener of Look for the Helpers by donating through anchor.fm forward slash ICTSOS or by downloading our app found in Apple or Google Play. Thank you for listening. Wash your hands and stay safe at home. <laughs>